Hello, college football fans, and welcome to episode 38 of College Football Throwdown. I am your co-host, Alex Schmitz, and today I'm joined by my dad, Peter Schmitz. Hello, Husker fans. Hello, everybody. Uh, I know it's been a bit of a hiatus since we last did a podcast. Uh, I had to kind of get some things settled out in uh, Los Angeles, and Dad over here has been busy with his stuff back in Michigan. But we're, we're, I've been home for the holidays for the past week and a half or so, and we thought that we couldn't miss this opportunity to do a podcast while we're together in person. So we're going to try to get the College Football Throwdown podcast started back up, you know, going on a bi-weekly, maybe just monthly, you know, during the off-season um, as we sort of cover specifically, you know, the details of Nebraska, but also any sort of big, larger uh, college football news right. within the wider sphere of everything. And I'm sure we'll do a podcast maybe after the championship game right? at some point. Yeah, that's the plan. Uh, for those of you who are listening for the first time, uh, College Football Throwdown is a college football podcast by college football fans for college football fans. Uh, specifically, we're a, a duo, father-son duo, who like to do this, talk about our favorite uh, team, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, but also a wider college football talk as well, and that's what we'll be diving into, into today. The Nebraska-Tennessee uh, bowl game, as well as the two uh, first two playoff games and the implications that has for the Alabama-Clemson National Championship game that will begin next week. All right. So, uh, first things first, we got to talk about that Music City Bowl, don't we? Yes, we do. Regretfully, the uh, the outcome was not what we, we desired here as uh, Husker fans. And, uh, and frankly, there were some uh, uh, undesirable uh, uh, things that were exposed, let's say, during mm-hmm. that. And so... You know, there's just a, a reality that we have to face uh, about where we are as a program and, and where we might uh, move forward uh, from here to, to make sure that we're doing the things we need to do to, to be even better next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and uh, with the Tennessee game, we knew we were going to struggle since we were three of our best players are basically out with mm-hmm. our quarterback, Tommy Armstrong, our best wide receiver, uh, Jordan Westerkamp, and then our best defensive player, Nathan Gary, all out with injuries, and we had a couple more injuries over the course of the game. Right. Uh, so we were severely hampered going in, but we still had a chance, certainly. Yeah. Um, if if uh, Tennessee made some mistakes, uh, but to their credit, they played a pretty uh, pretty solid game. You know. Yeah. They they, they played clean from the standpoint of turnovers and and penalties. Uh, however, uh, they certainly uh, gifted us uh, opportunities by missing. Uh, some opportunities uh, that that were golden for them, mm-hmm. and they weren't able to complete the deal. Whether it was a dropped pass or maybe a couple of um, um, you know missed uh, uh, running plays that could have gone a lot further. Uh, so they were a team that clearly uh, had uh, superior athletes to us in a, in a, many of the positions on the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were a lot of dropped passes or you know overthrown passes, um, but we got lucky on. And sometimes we were able to capitalize on those, and then sometimes we weren't. Uh, the frustrating thing, as I told you, was that uh, there were part, t- parts of the game where our offense would get going, and we'd have uh, some momentum, and we'd go down there and score a touchdown. Our defense would play pretty good, you know, and stopping uh, Tennessee's offense and giving us the chance to 
you know, have these drives. But then it seemed like every time we scored a touchdown, they were able to respond right away. And so it kept us from building that momentum. It always right. got stunted. And so we were always playing from behind the whole game. That is correct. And and that, that has been a, a little bit of a, a, a an undesirable you know thing that we've witnessed here late in the season pretty much from the Ohio State uh, loss on uh, that our defensive performance seemed to take a step back and I I don't know really you know any specific one thing that said this is the reason why our defense was performing less effectively than it was before other than the fact that you were uh, playing uh, teams that were better you know uh, that they were just uh, of higher ca- caliber than maybe that some of the teams we were playing earlier in the season, so we were able to expose some things. But that's definitely something that uh, uh, you hope that the coaching staff is able to uh, address in you know in the off season is things like um, tackling, for example, during mm-hmm. the Motor City Bowl was was a uh, was really bad, and yeah. and it's the kind of basic stuff that at that point in the season you shouldn't be having. And yet uh, there were an awful lot of players who were just kind of lunging at, at uh, the Tennessee players rather than trying to wrap them up. And after a, a spring practice in which they were emphasizing this whole rugby-style tackling uh, activity, which is about you know ra- uh, basically wrestling a guy to the ground, right? You're wrapping them up and pulling them down rather than hitting through them. Um, we didn't see that in this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. I have seen a lot of that, like just wa- watching some of the bowl games and even some of these NFL games where, you know, a player might tackle a guy and only, you know, grab onto his foot, but he holds onto his foot and long enough, you know, for one of his buddies to come over and finish the job kind right. of thing. Right. So I think that has become a more popular um, philosophy. Absolutely. And, and it's something that we're going to have to improve on. Now, the good news for, Nebraska, as we as we look at that um, at the future, is I think we've got some youth in some spots on defense, and those guys should be able to, you know, emerge with uh, better skills, more practiced, more uh, polished, if you will, than where we saw them in this bowl game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and another positive thing I'll say is that uh, you and I were both worried that this could be a blowout game, you know, a la the. Ohio State game where we just are completely inept, um, and it wasn't that we we stayed competitive, you know, or at least within a reasonable scoring distance of them, you know, and forced them to keep right. scoring points if they wanted to stay ahead, that sort of thing. Right. Um, so we we didn't embarrass ourselves, you know. It wasn't right. it wasn't uh, that kind of a game. Well, the offense good. the offense uh, was able to produce some points, and that's the key thing. Um, you know, although I was concerned about quarterback play. Uh, you know, R- Riker Fife was able to put some uh, put some good passing uh, plays together. It's just that they weren't able to put enough of them. You know, we would have right. a good play, and then we would have some plays that aren't so good. And so that's a, a bit of an issue. And that that gets back to both execution and talent, right? So we, we've got uh, we've got areas we need to focus on with that. As I re- review this game, uh, it just exposed to us the discrepancy between. You know the the talent that we have across the board on, at all positions on our team versus other teams who are top twenty five, top fifteen ish type teams. I I look at that Tennessee team and you know obviously they have some issues with their receivers not being able to catch the football, but if they can get that rectified, uh, they have some talent there and uh, some defensive players that were outstanding will probably be playing on Sunday. So they certainly showed us 
uh, what what uh, a team with a little bit superior talent can do. But um, we need to be able to do that and then take advantage of some superior superior coaching. Because one of the things, you know, we came out in the second half and, and, and we closed the gap a little bit. You know, we did get it to where it was uh, close within seven points. And, and uh, that's kind of what we've seen all year with our coaches. So there's a lot of good things to see about our, our, our coaches, but it's clear that they still have some work to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, in looking at the season overall, it's hard to you know, not look at the, the back half of the season as a little bit of a disappointment given that we got off to this strong 7-0, 7-0 start. You know, we had that big game against Oregon, which admittedly looks the less big given how they collapsed right. uh, after they played us. Right. But, um, you know, there was still a lot of positivity going to that Wisconsin game. We played them in the overtime, right. you know, this hard-fought game. Won. Right. If we had won that, our season definitely would have turned out different for us. But, um, you know... So, it, you know, it's tough to see us lose to Wisconsin and then get blown out by Ohio State and then the disappointing loss with Iowa and losing right. Armstrong, you know, to injury right. and all that, you know, definitely petered out. But I think this season did what Riley – Riley did a lot of what he needed to do in that, you know, after the losing season last year, you know, he really restored some confidence in the Nebraska fan base that he was the right choice. Right. And clearly – He's like you say, you know, he's got some uh, some good coaching in him. You know, right. there are problems certainly, but overall, you know, his staff is very experienced. You right. know, um, it's the recruiting area I think that we're most concerned about right now. Right, exactly. And so as we move into the off season, the things for Nebraska that we're going to keep an eye on is is uh, you know what they can do to shore up uh, the areas that are you know really obviously areas of weakness right now, and and in just in general how uh, they're able to communicate, you know, the brand of Nebraska football between now and, and signing day. They did a really good job early in the season when we had the benefit of good weather and uh, home football games to have a lot of visiting recruits, and we had some real positive momentum. Uh, but then as you started to struggle, um, you know, with our, with our current situation as a, as a football program that's kind of a, a, a borderline top 25 type of program, uh, you, you needed to win some of those key games. And had we won that Wisconsin game, that would have been as significant in terms of what it would have spoken to the nation in terms of uh, our recruiting and our, our program's direction as it was important in terms of the Big Ten race for this particular year. And, and the fact that we continue to lose those kinds of games is a problem for us uh, in terms of being able to get over that hump. But I think that uh, Coach Riley and his staff – particularly the, the beyond the football staff, do a very good job. They seem to know what they're doing, and I think we just need to be patient with them to give them a chance to do that. And next year, of course, uh, we have, for the first time in all likelihood, uh, uh, a quarterback that is of the type of quarterback that Coach Riley would have chosen in his preference uh, to, to, to perform uh, as the starter. And so it's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic changes what the what the offense actually looks like on uh, uh, in execution. I don't think we're going to see the plays be all that dramatically different, but how they run them, the frequency with which they run them, all those kinds of things is definitely going to look different. Yep. Yeah, well that that's what's exciting, you know, after, you know, I mean we had Armstrong for four years and Martinez for four years before right. that, you know, so there's always some excitement, you know, whenever you got a new quarterback in there now they're gonna whoever they choose. It's gonna be one of the young guys, uh, most likely. But uh, 
you know, you you got to hope that their talent, you know, can push through some of their inexperience, you know, and that they'll get better as the season goes along. Right. The tricky thing being that our season next year is tougher than our one from this past year. In terms we, of schedule. Right, because we play Ohio State and Penn State. Right. Um and, and we still get Wisconsin, Wisconsin who is going to be uh, every bit as talented. Oregon at home, at, at their home. Right, right. So Oregon. it's going to be it's going to be a year in which we have some some significant challenges. But depending on how uh, that quarterback position is filled and how some other key spots are filled, uh, as I look at the, uh, it, it looks like we have the the ingredients to potentially have an uh, 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 an okay, a decent, maybe even above average offensive line. This year, our, our line was not above average. It was below average. And the, uh, the the bowl game probably diminished my confidence in that rather than increasing it. But I, I know what we've got in the wings. We were able to successfully um, redshirt, you know, uh, like four or five players on the, along the offensive line. I think we've got some young defensive uh, line talent that's, that's going to help us secure that middle. But the defensive end position is a huge question mark going into next year. And I think uh, linebacker position is a huge question mark. I think we have some secondary folks, both corners and safeties, that are gonna we're gonna we're gonna be okay there. So defensively, the the big question marks are defensive ends and linebackers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and offensively, you know, I, I think we're, we have the basics for uh, an offensive line that should be solid. Uh, we have. Uh, a few good running backs. I don't think we have a, 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 a dramatic difference maker type running back at this point. Mm-hmm. So we, we hope that maybe in recruiting we might find some guys that that uh, could could do that. So my question is, what do you do about a position like defensive end, where frankly we need help now? Uh, and so I'm curious as to whether or not we try here in this last month before signing day to uh, go find a JUCO or a fifth year transfer that is a defensive end. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a short-term fix, we need something. We need somebody to fill the gap because right now uh, we it's non-existent. Mm-hmm. Well, and one last thing I wanted to say about this kind of transition into 2017 uh, that uh, made me or gave me with a little bit of confidence is that we um, fired our special teams coach, right. um, which kind of proved to be a point a little point of disappointment this year. Um, in that, like we. Our punter sometimes he was great, um, but then there was those near the end of the year those those two terrible ones where he kicked it like really high up in the air, you know. And we even though we had Demorne Pearsonell on kickoff returns, he never I don't think had a big kickoff return, you know, on the level that he has in past years. Right. Um, so it was disappointing to see our special team struggle, even though we had a coach devoted specifically to that position. Right. And it seems like this new guy that they've got in there may be a good. Well, and, and it's not so much a new guy. I mean, they've actually kind of reorganized the staff, and then the new hire has been put into the secondary. And so they've divided up responsibilities a little bit differently, and now the, the special teams area is going to be shared by the collective staff with individual play, uh, coaches taking on certain roles within that. Uh, but regardless, the results during the, the game were actually uh, probably one of the few bright spots. Uh, our punter had a great game against Tennessee, uh, oh, yeah. very well, and um, and so and we knew he was a good punter. I mean, coming in, we knew he had a leg. The the issue was putting him because of uh, the right. uh, Sam Fultz uh, passing that was so untimely uh, and disappointing. Um, you know, they did a really good job of bringing him along. 
So now I, you can look to him and say, okay, he's, he's got a position where maybe for the next three years he's going to be pretty darn good. And our field goal kicker is also an underclassman and will be back. So on the kicking game side of things, we should be pretty good. And DeMornay, Pearsonell is is back. So mm-hmm. so and hopefully another year removed from his severe injuries and fired up now going into his senior year uh, to make an impact. Right? Yes. Yes. Let's hope so. All right. So now we're going to transition to the more national side of our conversation. And just yesterday, uh, we're recording this on uh, January first, the first day of the new year. Uh, was the uh, two semifinal games in the college football playoff. Uh, we're going to talk about Alabama-Washington first. Uh, that was a game uh, that a lot of people kind of were wondering if it would be a blowout, you know, because Alabama was heavily favored and every, all the news was about how Washington was this underdog. Um, and Washington's defense really stepped up to the challenge, I think. Um, they, they were uh, stymieing. Uh, Nick Saban's offense there, for sure. Um, it was just the problem was that their their offense couldn't get anything done against Alabama's front four. Right, exactly. I, I think the bottom the bottom line was is that that Washington's defense had uh, a game plan that was pretty darn good, and uh, and they were able to to kind of slow down that Alabama team for most of the game. Now there were times when Scarborough, the the great running back from Alabama started to kind of take over the game there in the second half. But um, the bottom line is you don't you don't give them a pick six, and mm-hmm. that game has a different flavor uh, pretty much throughout the game, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, and so not only did the offense not produce many points after, you know, a couple of good drives early, uh, but they also gave up a, a pick six right. and put their defense in a, in a very difficult situation. Right. Well, and I would attribute some of that running back, you know, kind of running away in the second half to just – defense getting tired you know you right. you against a team as good as alabama you can't be three and outing all the time because right. your defense is eventually gonna wear out right exactly but uh, as you said uh, i think washington uh, uh, performed reasonably well in that game and showed why they uh, were in that game and um, deserved to be there you know that sort of thing there's always that kind of question now in this day and age of the college right. football playoff, and well, I'm sure we're going to get into those kinds of conversations on future podcasts about the college football playoff and the whole setup and arrangement of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, bottom line is that uh, Washington maybe showed that there is a way that a, a team could uh, beat Alabama, and it would be a, a really a combination of things. You you have to make uh, their quarterback, that young uh, Hertz fella, mm-hmm. you got to make him a thrower. You've got to find a way to make sure that he doesn't hurt you. I mean, that guy was broke their back, uh, Washington's, a couple of times. You know, they had them recall a, a series where uh, Washington had, had kind of gained some momentum, and then they needed to hang on, keep them from scoring, and they weren't able to do it. They they, they ended up marching Alabama, marching down the field on them uh, at, a, at a very critical time. Had they three and out at them right then, they, they wouldn't have been able to do it. And it was about Jalen Hurts breaking free to get a big big run to help them do that, you know? Mm-hmm. So you can't let that happen. Yeah. Well, and then it was interesting how that game sort of turned into a, a reflection of what we would see in the Ohio State-Clemson game later that night, which a lot of people are expecting to be the more competitive game of the two because right. um, Ohio State and Clemson seem to be more evenly matched. Um, but that turned out to be more of the blowout than Absolutely. the previous game. Absolutely. To and, everyone's shock, I think. Right. Well, and Ohio State just never was able to get untracked offensively. I think initially Ohio State's defense 
you know, was was engaged and and mm-hmm. capable of making that an interesting football game. But Ohio State's offense was just so in. In, incapable of, of finishing the deal and some of it was they had opportunities and they mm-hmm. kept blowing it you know and I, I feel bad for the field goal kicker of course who missed some some early opportunities there uh, that that may very well have changed the whole complexion of that game had they been able to get some stuff on the board mm-hmm. yeah well because wasn't one of those off like a Clemson an interception from Clemson right. correct yeah so they, they had opportunities but they weren't able to capitalize on them <laughs> you know and those two missed field goals right at the beginning of the game I thought oh those, you know, it sucked. They're going to regret that they didn't get at least one of those, right. you know, right. early on. Um, but I thought, you know, they'd be able to, you know. Get the ship right. Yeah, well, at least stay competitive. Right. As it turns out, those were their two best scoring opportunities of the whole game. Exactly. And and so um, JT Barrett's uh, weakness as a thrower, as a passer, uh, kind of was exposed with that. And the fact that they really don't have, uh, they being Ohio State, do not have, you know, a, a huge group of, of wide receivers that are that are able to create their own opportunities. You know, uh, the Samuels fella is awesome. But outside of that, they have some young talent that still needs to grow. Uh, the good news for Ohio State, of course, coming out of this is they're a team that's loaded with youth and is going to be back. And uh, it sounds like uh, from even the early returns already just today here on January 1st that some kids who were maybe – uh, at least of concern that they might leave early, are choosing to stay. And if that trend continues with, with, with the other players that might be in that same boat for Ohio State, I think uh, the future is going to be very bright for Ohio State. Now, do you think uh, some of that was just because this, you know, this is the last time that the NFL scouts, you know, are seeing them right. play on the field and see them look so, you know, yeah. look so bad? Do you think that yeah. was a part of it? Oh, I, 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 would, I would say it's not... That sounds fairly myopic and selfish. I think <laughs> I think that it's more about I don't want my last game uh, in the Ohio State uniform to be a 31-0 whooping, right? And right. so some of these guys are like, I got some unfinished business here, and I'm going to do it. And it's about the team and about Ohio State University, not so much about them being concerned about their uh, position in the draft. You know what I mean? Right. Because uh, if they were going to be number one type draft picks – they probably would still go, right? Right. Uh, but but uh, for the most part, I think you're going to see those guys stay because they know they can get better and probably improve their, their stock and their position mm-hmm. with another good season. Yep. And then transitioning into the now upcoming national championship game between Alabama and Clemson, uh, Clemson in that Ohio State game, I think, proved that they can be a challenger to Alabama. You know, some people were doubting that, saying Clemson was down from what they were before, and last year they still lost to Alabama. Uh, but Deshaun Watson really lit it up against Ohio State, for sure. And clearly uh, their defensive coordinator had a, frankly, brilliant game plan, mm-hmm. you know, ready to go. And you were talking about how uh, using an adjusted version of that might be smart for Ohio State to try to, you like you say, force for, their... For Clemson, you mean. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. For Clemson to force Alabama's quarterback to pass. Right. I mean, uh, yeah, Clemson's defensive scheme uh, certainly kind of choked uh, JT Barrett, right, and and, uh, kept him fairly bottled up in terms of inside the pocket And when they were trying to throw the football. And the key was Clemson's offense was able to get them behind. And so the question would be, can – uh, can Deshaun Watson and Clemson's offense have enough success against that great uh, Alabama defense to be able mm-hmm. to um, you know, move the football, get some points, 
kind of maybe get get uh, Alabama a little bit behind the eight ball, and then as a result, put uh, their quarterback right. in a position where they have to throw it a little bit. And if they did that, good things could happen for Clemson. Mm-hmm. If they're unable to do that, however, then that Jalen Hurts uh, will hurt them. <laughs> but up, up, yes. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely the big question, you know, as it was with the West Washington game, you know, uh, Alabama's defense is their best weapon right now. Right. And so what can Deshaun Watson do against them? And the fact that Deshaun Watson is this athletic quarterback, um, maybe that gives them more of a shot in that, like, when things break down and those linemen are charging in, but right. everything's spread out, he can slip past one of them and get, right. you know, eight yards instead of a sack. Exactly. Yeah, it's 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 more. I mean, Deshaun Watson obviously has is going to have to have a great game, but more than that, uh, they're going to have to have a great game out of some of their wide receivers, and uh, and and their running backs are going to have to be efficient, meaning that they're going to have to take advantage of every opportunity and maximize you know the 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 yards that are available to them, knowing that they're playing a great defense. Can't get frustrated, you know they're going to you know encounter some negative plays because Alabama is just that good. Uh, and that's what they would have to do to win. Now, on Alabama's side, I think their formula is pretty well established. They know exactly what they need to do. They know who they are, and they're going to line up and, uh, and try to run the football on you. Uh, they're going to throw the football a little bit more than they have historically uh, because they've got this young, talented quarterback, who, uh, and they've got some good receivers, but, but that's not their strength. Their strength is, 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 is running the football and using the talents of that uh, multi-threat quarterback to uh, – to make it very difficult for a defense to, um, you know, contain their offense. Mm-hmm. For and sure. then their defense always gives them seven points every game. <laughs> yeah, what was it? Eleven touchdowns yeah. from the defense. Yep. That was like a re- uh, the record or their number one, I think, for this year. I don't yeah. think it's an all-time record or right. anything. But um, uh, another point of discussion on this is the is this uninteresting? You know, having a rematch of the exact same two teams as last year, mm-hmm. Alabama's won, Clemson's, well... Clemson's reverse. Was it reverse last year as far as ranking? I think it might have been reverse. I think Clemson oh, was ranked number one You're right, because Alabama had one loss, loss last right, year. Exactly. Okay. So, so it like, is a little different. It's, it, but well, same two teams, <laughs> a lot of the same players, especially for Clemson. Clemson had a lot of returning starters. Now, the reality is, is that Clemson kind of has underperformed this year uh, relative to their expectations. Obviously, they, they still played very well and, uh, uh, you know, didn't, uh, uh, had, did, weren't terrible at any point, but, but maybe weren't as dominant on a lot mm-hmm. of games as people expected them to be. But then they, had, they put together this great game, and the, even their coach admitted it was the best game they'd played all year. So the question becomes, can they put back-to-back uh, two games together where they're playing at that high level? Mm-hmm. Because they certainly have the talent. They have uh, some talent on defense uh, that's really outstanding, and they obviously have a great quarterback in Deshaun Watson and some good running backs and receivers. Right. Uh, so they have some talent to uh, to make some make some things happen. And can their coaching staff uh, out coach the great mm-hmm. Nick Saban? Yes. That that's what's going to have to happen here a little bit. I mean, they don't have to play perfectly, but they they have to seize their opportunities. So often teams feel like. They have this pressure to play perfectly, and as soon as the first negative thing happens, uh, it kind of loses their focus, and they spiral uh, downward against mm-hmm. Alabama. And you can't feel that way. Uh, Alabama's going to make mistakes. Alabama struggled at times against Washington's defense. They really did. And so if Clemson can do that same thing, 
and, and come up with a, a game plan that contains the quarterback. That's the one thing that Washington wasn't able to do consistently was contain that darn quarterback. Mm-hmm. And so that's the key to the national championship game, in my opinion, for Clemson to achieve a, a win. The Alabama uh, strategy is, I think, much more straightforward, and everybody knows what's gonna what they're going to try to do. Right. Or, well, I don't know. It would be interesting, I guess, if – if Saban, you know, probably doing his his traditional thing, he wouldn't change his whole game plan or anything. But I bet you he's got a have a trick or two up his sleeve because oh, in, yeah. in that last game, year, yeah. yeah, in that game last year, they were throwing onside, out all the stops. Onside kick uh, was one of the biggest uh, plays of the of the whole game. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's another interesting factor I think to it is uh, Clemson's sort of mindset going into it, and that they're the underdog and they lost last year. Right. You know, so. Is the coach able to spin that and get the players into this? You know, we're focused. We, you know, we want a we want to win because it's the national championship, and b we want to win because we want to redeem ourselves. Right. You know, or does that turn into a you know, like you say, they play a little tight mm-hmm. because they know they lost these guys last year and they're you know a little. You know, on I, edge. I'm gonna I'm gonna give Dabo Sweeney some credit here and say that I think he does a pretty good job of getting his kids to play, you know, the best they can and not not get worried about the situation, just play and have fun and enjoy uh, the, the experience. And so I'm going to expect that from him again this week, you know, mm-hmm. and that they should, should come and play well, just like last year. They played well. In fact, in many ways, you might argue they outplayed Alabama last year, lost because Alabama made some key plays in some very critical situations that led ultimately mm-hmm. to them winning the football game. Oh, yeah. Well, and I was watching that game in a bar last year, and it was one of the most fun championship games i've ever seen that's for sure yeah. um so Very if we can get something on the equal entertainment level to that as last year i'll be happy right um, well and that's what that's gets sure. back to what you just said at the beginning of this segment which is you know are people going to watch and and i think that there's probably uh it's fair to say that there will be fewer uh people interested in watching that game that are not college football fans you know the the, the average sports fan maybe won't be as enamored with this matchup because it's a little too uh, common, a little too uh, been there, done that, right? Right. And Alabama has won so many games, it's like this the sport's getting boring because everybody knows who's going to win. It's going to be Alabama, right? So what I would love to see is for the sport of college football, it would be very, very good, very refreshing for Clemson to win that game. So I'm a Clemson fan for this week. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Me too. Go Tigers. <laughs> All right. Very good. So I think this wraps up uh, this episode of College Football Throwdown. Um, I think it's safe to say that we'll be back sometime later in January to talk about the results of that national championship game and get a little bit more into the nitty-gritty details of the off season for Nebraska and yep. those sorts of things. Right. Mm-hmm. And we also hope in uh, some future broadcasts now that we're going to be uh, doing this again with some regularity is to is to talk about the sport of college football and to d- dive into some of the things that uh, that we think uh, need to uh, change uh, for the sport to continue to enjoy success uh, without uh, you know spiraling in in negative uh, fashions and to and to be critical if you will of this whole college playoff process and where has it been a, a, a success and where might it need to be changed to make it better. Yeah. And I won't be afraid to talk uh, about the media that covers the sport as well. <laughs> yeah, your favorite topic. Yes. Uh, yeah, and I think we can maybe in a future podcast get into something that's kind of a hot topic at the moment, which is 
do the bowl games matter with yes. you know with with the general attitude towards them and these players who are uh, choosing not to play in the games, you know, for the purposes of their NFL careers and right. things of that nature. So, and that's a that's going to be a bigger long term issue. Mm-hmm. And then there's another issue out there that we probably should talk about before next fall, which has to do with the the health of the sport uh, at the younger levels. Mm, uh, we're seeing school. significant yeah, at the high school level and even below that, uh, we're seeing significant change in how uh, football is viewed. And I think it's urgent. It's 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 absolutely critical that uh, we as a, uh, that the sport find some solutions uh, that they can begin to implement with regard to the the whole concussion concern, uh, mm-hmm. because it is it is making it very easy for parents to opt out of the sport uh, for their kid, with the justification being that the uh, the the fear of of you know concussion injury. Uh, for their children, which is totally legitimate at this point. And I think that the sport for its success long-term needs to address that, whether it's changes in rules, changes in equipment, or both. Mm-hmm. I agree. Alrighty then. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to the, this episode of College Football, Football Throwdown. You can find us on uh, our main website is uh, Podomatic, uh, but you can also find us on iTunes. Uh, that's the main place, probably best place to subscribe to us. Or college football throwdown on there, and uh, you can email us as well, uh, huskerpete13 at gmail.com, and all that good stuff. We always love hearing from you guys. Uh, so, thank you very much for listening to this episode of College Football Throwdown, and we will be back next time. So, see you later. Go big red. Go big red. Go big red.